Thanks for listening to this OCRFM podcast. Head to ocrfm.org.au to find more great content and information about how to donate and support this community radio station. Lollipop, lollipop, Afternoon, delight, and welcome to the show that is sugary spiciness and everything niceness on OCRFM, which is 98.3 across Colican District, 88.7 FM along the coast, and streaming online at ocrfm.org.au. How's it going, Mr. Max? Yeah, good. Yeah, good. How's your week? Good. Good? <laughs> what have you been up to today? Uh, today, Dad and I went to the Speedway for mm-hmm. practice. Bit of a practice run? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Hooning around the tracks. Uh-huh. Yeah. Was it uh, just dad driving? Uh, there was lots of different other sprint cars. Uh huh. And yeah. <laughs> I heard there was uh, quite a few cars making their way out there yesterday. Uh huh. Uh huh. Starting to get back into it. Yeah. Which is good. Which is good. Good fun. Yep. Anything else been uh, tickling the funny bone for the week? Uh, not much. Not well, really. I came back. Well, I went on camp um, last week. Oh, that's right. Where'd you yeah. head off to? Hall's Gap. Hall's Gap. How did that go? Yeah, good. Pretty good? <laughs> Fun. Favourite bit? Uh, abseiling. Ah, awesome. Yeah. See, I'm a nervous Nelly when it comes to uh, <laughs> heights and things like that, so abseiling and that sort of thing. We're never my cup of tea. I can do it. Uh, if I have to. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's, it's not the first place that I'll run to. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, that's awesome fun. Yeah. I had school camp as well, actually, this, two, yeah, yesterday, <laughs> technically, <laughs> we finished. Um, and, yeah, we went to Trees Adventure, so they were up in the, the tall okay. trees as well. So <laughs> I've, I've had my fair share of heights for the week. <laughs> but, uh, oh, that's cool. Excellent. <laughs> well, uh, did you go, was it? What was the weather like for camp? Um, we it had was a pretty, pretty hot, hot. Night. Yeah. yeah, like thirty yep. degrees every day. We yeah, we were all over the shop. We started in, you know, Yodin with Trees Adventure, then went to Apollo Bay to the beach, and then we were swimming at Blue Water, and <laughs> yeah, just all sorts of different stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, we better get this show on the road then, and uh, you got the Yum Box there, ready to rock and roll. Around the world, around the Radio Max. We're uh, still in Russia. Got a few mm-hmm. things left in the Russian yum box. But uh, what do we got this week? Uh, we've got mushroom bread bites. Mm-hmm. And nuts and milk chocolate wafer. Nuts and milk chocolate wafer. Okay. Bread bites. This sounds different. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so bullet mushroom bread bites. 
Dozens of basket-toting Russians are apparently scouring the forest floors of Siberia, mushroom hunting around this time of year. It is Russia's most popular pastime, so much so that local 10-year-olds can easily distinguish between the edible variety, like the mushrooms that we're about to have here, from the poisonous ones, like the lethal death cap. Don't want to be popping that one on your tongue. There is one thing Russians love more than hunting for mushrooms, and that is eating them. So, you can partake with these crunchy, twice-baked bread rusks, complete with a bullet mushroom seasoning. So, uh, they're, they're looking like um, the mini toasts kind of things. I, I can't think what... It's almost... It's not croutons, but they're sliced fine and double-baked. So, are they made... They're made out of wheat flour, so they are a bread base. It's just going to be the mushroom flavouring... Um, on the outside, methinks. Okay, so they kind of they got the foil packaging to keep the freshness in, mm-hmm. and they've had the crusts cut off. So methinks they are going to be extra crunchy. I wonder if these could be used as croutons mm-hmm. to float in about in some mushroom soup or veggie soup. <laughs> Max is going for the munch. What are you thinking? I don't know. <laughs> it's a really nice mushroom. Have you a fan of mushrooms normally? Yeah. This is almost melting your mouth. <laughs> yeah. Very crunchy. It's quite salty. It's very, very savoury. Mm. But... um. That mushroom flavour really, yeah, fills your mouth. Mm-hmm. It's um, it's almost like eating a bowl of mushroom soup in a biscuit. <laughs> They've somehow stepped into the future. <laughs> it's like one of those sci-fi Jetson sort of things where you take a little pill and all of a sudden you've had a full meal. Yeah. But the flavour is really, really powerful. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's just the seasoning that's managed to do that. I guess you could lick the seasoning off and not eat the, the bread if you weren't a, a fan, but, man, that's good. Yeah. It's got 20 thumbs up from me, but I'm not sure about you. Yeah. What are you giving it? Two thumbs up. Two thumbs up. Yeah, that's really nice. It's also got... Can you taste a bit of garlic, perhaps? Yeah. As well? Yeah. But yeah, definitely a savoury snack. The mushroom bread bites. I would call them croutons. But uh, artificially flavoured with a kind of mushroom sour cream powder. But uh, yeah, very, very nice. And what was our second item you've got for us there today? The nut and milk chocolate wafer. Apparently this is Russia's softest, nuttiest, cakiest wafer. I didn't realise cakiest was a word. (laughs) So this yum takes us to Stari Oskol, the headquarters of the company that makes it. Um, The name that is Slavyanka. That's me attempting Russian. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, When the team behind the yum box asked them which of their products they thought customers would like most, they said without a shadow of a doubt it would be this. It's got layers of soft wafer, 
filled with hazelnut cocoa cream, sprinkling of crushed peanuts, and then a melt-in-your-mouth chocolate glaze on the outside. So definitely not one for the anaphylactics. <laughs> but um, take a bite and let us know what you're thinking there, Max. What's it looking like? It's like a big chocolate thing. <laughs> <laughs> big chocolate slab almost. It's oh maybe 8 by 10 centimetres and probably 3 or 4 centimetres thick. It is a massive um, hunk of wafer. Man, oh man. Okie dokie. Oh, wow, and you can see the layers. Max has just busted it in half. And there are definitely layer upon layer upon layer of wafer and nut. And you can see the creamy filling on the inside. Mm-hmm. Um, on the outside, dark chocolate, do you think? Or just coated? Well, I think it's just milk chocolate. Hmm. Okay, so it's gone for a bite down on the outside. What are you thinking? That's good. <laughs> I'm still trying to get over the, the mushroomy goodness. This is very, very different. Yeah. Because it is so chocolatey. I often, when I go for hazelnut things, I've got that Nutella feel at the back of my head yeah. that, that's what I'm expecting but this is um, the outside layer of chocolate kind of overpowers it yeah you can taste the hazelnut but it's it's definitely more a chocolate taste than the hazelnut center mm-hmm despite the fact that there's also peanuts through it. It does have, yeah, a very nutty texture and a nutty taste to it. Yeah. Thumbs up, thumbs down? What are you thinking? Two thumbs up. Two thumbs up as well? Yeah. Two very good products? Mm-hmm. Okie dokie. I'll let you have that one back. I'm trying to think, did we have any more uh, Russian trivia or fun facts to share before we... Um, have a quick break. Um, yeah, there's... A bit more to go? Yep. Okay, so uh, I'm assuming you're going to pit me against the uh, the Russian challenge again? Mm-hmm. Okay, righto. Fire away. Until 2011, the Russian government didn't con- consider A, soccer to be a sport, B, be, beer to be alcoholic, C, carrots to be vegetables. D, summer to be season. Oh, wow. Okay. So it's a government decree. I'm thinking probably beer to be alcoholic because we talked last week about Russians, um, you know, using potatoes to make vodka. So I'll say, yeah, beer isn't an alcoholic beverage. You're all right. Yes. That's a good start. Because I was trying to think, what would the government have to do with seasons or vegetables? Yeah. <laughs> ah, there you go. So they didn't believe that beer was an alcoholic beverage. Yeah. Okay. In 2012, Russian scientists scientists regenerated 30,000-year-old fruit 
created a cure for chickenpox, discovered pygmy mammoth remains, or D, invented a pill that keeps you warm. Ooh, any of these could be. I don't remember hearing about pygmy mammoths in the news. A pill that keeps you warm. Because we're a show that focuses on food, I'll go with A, that they recreated a, a fruit that had been extinct. You're right. Again. Mm-hmm. Nice. Bang. What was the, the fruit? Um, Does it say? No. <laughs> oh, dang. <laughs> but about 3,000, 31,800 years ago, a squirrel buried a fruit in its burrow. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Crazy. Mm-hmm. Okie dokie. Any other questions? The village of Oklahoma. <laughs> the village of Omeokan is A, the coldest inhabited place in the world, B, guarded by the grey wolves, C, the most isolated town in the world, D, completely underground. Okay, so Australia's got underground towns, Mm -hmm. um, but I'm not sure if we're the only country in the world that has that. Uh, It does get cold in Russia, but I'm not sure if it would be the coldest place on Earth. What was the the middle two, sorry? Um, B is guarded by grey wolves, and C is the most isolated isolated town in the world. I'll go with most isolated because there might be few and far between, and Russia is huge, as we found out last week. It's uh, as big as, well, bigger than Pluto, (laughs) which was bizarre. Um, So, yeah, I'll say that it's the most isolated place. You're wrong. Wrong. It was the coldest inhabited place in the world. Oh, coldest inhabited. I've missed the word inhabited. Okay, nice. So, yeah, Russia, it does get quite cold, but of course, yeah, any colder places would be uninhabited. Good, good one. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. In 1989, Russia traded one of the world's largest military fleets in exchange for a a US sailboat state satellite B T C Pepsi D a family of lions Uh, (laughs) okay so a great big Soviet army for a satellite T Pepsi or a family of lions Um, one's a very big brand and we have spoken before on Afternoon Delight that Fanta was created during World War Two because the Germans were, were restricted from the supplies to make Coca-Cola. So they tried to make their own and they came up with this drink that they called Fanta C. Uh, but did Russians trade 
the army for Pepsi. Um, it seems too logical to be a satellite. <laughs> and oh, Max has given me absolutely <laughs> no clues in facial expressions as I'm uh, trying to mine him for information. I'll go B for something completely bizarre. T. Nah. Nah. It was Pepsi. It was Pepsi. Dang it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I should have gone with my gut instinct. So, obviously, the brand, they didn't have that brand in Russia at the time. And uh, is that how it all worked? Mm. In 1959, all of Russia was hooked on it. There you go. Okie dokie, any more? Or is that it? That's it. That's <laughs> it, right here then. Well, we will take a quick break. We will be back with more Afternoon Delight for our Danish episode, and we're not necessarily talking about the country. <laughs> It is time on Afternoon Delight to take a look at this week's topic, which is Danish pastries. Uh-huh. What do you know about Danish pastries, Max? Uh, nothing. Nothing in particular? <laughs> well, it does come from Denmark. I'll give you that for anyone that's out there going, well, surely if Danish is in the name, it's got to have something to do with Denmark. But um, they are a multi-layered sweet pastry. And the concept was brought to Denmark by Austrian bakers, but then is developed into a Danish specialty. So it was the Austrians, not ostriches, <laughs> Austrians that kind of came up with the idea. And then the Danish have uh, taken it and made it their own. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's kind of that similar puff look to a croissant. Yep. But uh, it's kind of... They described as laminated yeast, leave, and dough. Mm. So, um, in Danish, Norwegian, and Swedish, um, what do you think they call them? Because it's a bit like the Swedish chef. In the Swedish chef, uh, in the Muppets, in Sweden, they don't call him the Swedish chef. It's just like, it's the same thing for Danish pastries or Chinese food if you were living in China. You wouldn't call it Chinese food. (laughs) You would call it food. So what do you think the Danish, Norwegians, or Swedish call Danish pastries? It's okay if you don't (laughs) guess it. (laughs) Pastries? Very close. Bread. Yeah, Viennese bread or Wienerbrod. Um, So it's kind of a Finnish uh, abbreviation for bread. And... Um, sometimes it's called Copenhagener Plunder, referring to um, Copenhagen, which is the capital city of Denmark. And so the basic history goes back to a strike amongst base, uh, bakery workers in Denmark in 1850. The strike caused bakery owners to hire workers from abroad, and among them, several Austrian bakers were brought along with some new baking traditions and pastry recipes. The Austrian pastry of Plundergebak, again, I apologise for my (laughs) terrible pronunciation, 
soon became very popular, and after the labour disputes ended, Danish bakers adopted the Austrian recipes, adjusting to their own liking and traditions by increasing the amount of egg or fat. The development resulted in what is now known as the Danish pastry. One of the baking techniques and traditions that the Austrian bakers brought with them was the Viennese lamination technique. Due to such novelties, the Danes called the pastry the Wienerbrand, and the name is still used in Northern Europe today. Um, other countries often shorten it from Danish pastry to just Danish. Um, the Danish pastries, as consumed in Denmark, have different shapes and names. Some of them are topped with chocolate, pearl sugar, glace icing, or slivered nuts, and they may be stuffed with a variety of ingredients such as jams or preserves, usually apple or prune. Uh, they also have marzipan or custard. Shapes are numerous, including circles with the filling in the middle, known in Denmark as the spandaus. They have figure eights, spirals, which are referred to as snails, and the pretzel-like kringle danishes. In the UK, they have variations of ingredients like jam, custard, apricot, cherry, raisin, flaked almond, pecan, or caramelised toffee. And that's within different sections of the dough, which is then baked. In the US, the danishes are typically given a top of uh, maybe fruit or sweetened cream cheese prior to baking. <laughs> and danishes with nuts on them are also quite popular in the US and in Sweden, where chocolate, spritzing and powdered sugar are often added on top. That makes them less sticky to touch. <laughs> uh, in Argentina, they are filled with dolce leche, which is that um, creamy uh, candy milk stuff. And... Um, during the uh, 2006 Muhammad cartoon controversy, um, the Danish popped up as a little bit of a controversial topic. Uh, several religious Iranian groups advocated for the na name change of the highly popular Danish, given that its name was um, associated with the cartoons. Now, this is... I'm not sure if it'd be a little bit before your time, Max. There was this big furor over um, uh, some cartoonists that had been depicting Muhammad, and there was death threats and all sorts of stuff. But the Association of Irani um, Confectionery Making designated the Roses of the Prophet Muhammad as the new name for Danish pastries um, as of February 15th, 2006 although not many bakeries took that up. There was protests. Several Muslim countries, angered by the pictures of Muhammad, boycotted Danish goods and they wouldn't buy them from bakeries. So um, they've since resumed their name as Danishes and uh, hopefully, fingers and toes crossed, everything is uh, a little calmer now. People are back to eating sweetened baked goods and not getting worked up over a cartoon mm. <laughs> but uh, it's amazing how little things like that can uh, you know a butterfly flaps its wings and causes an earthquake or a hurricane elsewhere in the world sort of thing but that is a brief history of the danish pastry which technically originated from austrian bakers so we'll take a quick 
break here on Afternoon Delight and we will return to go head-to-head with a couple of different flavoured Danish goods. But uh, if you've got some Danish pastry facts, fun figures or memories you'd like to share, you can text in to 0439 329 713 or jump on the Afternoon Delight Facebook page and let us know what do you like or dislike about Danish pastry. Ladies and gentlemen, strap yourselves in for this week's great confectionery debate as we pit two similar lollies against each other to decide an overall champion. Okie dokie on Afternoon Delight. It is time for us to go head to head with some Danish products, all of which uh, have been purchased from the same establishment so that we uh, rule out any, you know, difference in... <laughs> baking styles so they all have the same um, lattice style of creation and it's a again a puff pastry base but the differences come from the fillings mm-hmm. so now that you had a look at the Danish's Max do they look familiar have you had these before they look like apple pies they look a little bit like apple pies yeah so they're going to have that um uh, room temperatureness of <laughs> about them though, so uh, it's not going to be like cold apple pie or hot apple pie, but um, the apple one definitely does have that apple pie look about it. <laughs> Except of course that um, the puff pastry base, I guess you could technically call it a type of apple pie. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um, but the flavours that we've got here today, there's apple apricot and there's also blueberry which of course turn purple <laughs> when they cook because there is no naturally occurring blue <laughs> food out there um, occasionally you do get these with a custard filling as well and I'm actually looking thinking that maybe it's blueberry and custard apple and custard perhaps mm-hmm. um, they did say it was just the fruit but perhaps that's the way it's baked baked. So, in uh, pulling apart uh, the Danish, what do you notice about the insides? They're like fluffy like bread. Mmm, very fluffy. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And it's just layer upon layer upon layer of pastry. The lattice design on top would be added after they've put the the filling. Mm -hmm. So they'd start with the flat base put on the filling, and then attach the pastry design on the top. You can achieve lots of different um, designs by kind of cutting the pastry and folding it over or tying it in knots or whatever, mm-hmm. as we said before. But uh, let's have a bit of a nibble on these, see which one you prefer over the other. What do you want to start with? I'm having a go at apple. <laughs> you having a bit of a nibble on the apple already? Okay, so... It's kind of a stewed apple centre. Looks like it might have maybe cinnamon through it as well. Mm Mm-hmm. And it is... That's got to be apple and custard. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's lightly dusted with icing sugar. What's your thoughts as you munch down on that? It's good. Yeah, the apple and custard works well together. Mm Mm-hmm. As I said before, the icing sugar is really only so that it's not sticky under your fingers. 
doesn't really add too much flavour to the overall taste. Mm -hmm. The pastry itself's a little dry, mm. but I guess the apple filling makes up for that. And you don't really want soggy pastry. No, it'll be fallen to pieces. I have had these before where instead of the um, the dusting of icing sugar, they instead um, have it drizzled with um, made-up icing. That makes it really sticky. <laughs> yeah. Occasionally you'll have kind of a lump of the filling in the centre, like a circle sort of work. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, that was nice. Moving on to which flavour next? I'll go apricot. Apricot mm-hmm. next. All of them being, you know, fruit-based flavours. So, again, is this one an apricot and custard? Surely not. No, this is more jam consistency. Very sticky, very sweet. Mm-hmm. How's yours going? Good. That is, um, I haven't had an apricot taste that good in ages, actually. It's got that really sharp apricot taste, but, uh, yeah, blends in well. Of the two, how are you rating them so far? Probably apple first. Yeah? Yeah. Are you an apricot fan? Normally? normally. Not really? That could be influencing your vote. <laughs> I'm actually going the other way. I'm usually an apple fan, but that apricot is really, really nice in the Danish. One left. Mm-hmm. And it is a blueberry custard Danish. Um, it's a very dark, purpley colour. <laughs> Matched in with the custard. The custard's got, yeah, that very, I don't know, it's probably childhood gooey loveliness. Mm-hmm. But the um, the it's not it's not really a blueberry jam conserve sort of consistency. It's thicker. Mm-hmm. It's very globby. I guess would be the best description. But yeah, much thicker. Like the the apricot, the yeah, the apricot one was a lot thicker than jam as well. In the centre. Yeah. But uh, what do you thinking? Match with the pastry. Um, the blueberry. It tastes weird. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. Not a fan. Not really. Probably comes back to are you a fan of blueberries? Normally, like blueberry jam or blueberry... Yeah. Anything else? Oh, just normal blueberries. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, it's a lot sweeter than the apricot. Mm-hmm. Probably on par with the apple, but uh, you're not including it at the top of your list? No. Okay, then. Ranking them one to three. How are we going for apple, blueberry... Or apricot? Apple first, then apricot, then blueberry. Blueberry at the bottom, wow. I'm actually putting apple at the bottom of my list. I'm going apricot, blueberry, apple. 
<laughs> which is crazy because I'm a huge apple, yeah, apple pie fan. But you don't often get an apricot. And again, I'm not a huge apricot fan, but um, that really worked well in that particular Danish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think it's a, yeah, that mix of the, as I say, the sharp apricot taste with the, the sugary sweetness as well. Mm-hmm. But feel free to disagree with us. 0439 or we'll put a post up on the Afternoon Delight Facebook page where you can uh, vote yourself. Let us know what you think of uh, the Danish pastries. We'll be back after this with our sweetest tune on the Danish edition of Afternoon Delight. Afternoon Delight, it's time for us to have a look at uh, our sweetest tune for this week. Now, considering we're eating Danish pastries, it would make sense to have some sort of Danish singer. Mm -hmm. And singing and music of uh, foreign countries comes none better than the Eurovision Song Contest. Are you all over what that is, Max? Not really. It's like (laughs) Australian Idol, but for other countries in the world that are... It gets crazier and zanier every time you see it. It's been around for... Good grief, I don't know how long it's been around for, actually. Since the 50s, maybe? It started mm-hmm. off as a small singing competition that got bigger and bigger and bigger, and all these countries compete against each other. Mm-hmm. There's a very funny movie that Will Ferrell was in uh, late last year, maybe early this year. It shows just how much people embrace the craziness and the zaniness of it. So Denmark has participated in the Eurovision Song Contest 48 times, making its first appearance back in 1957. Mm-hmm. Having competed in 10 consecutive contests until 1966, it was absent from 1967 to 1977. And since 1978, they've only been absent from four other contests. They've won it three times. In 1963, the year 2000, and the year 2013. There was a little bit of controversy after um, their win in 1963 when Greth and Jorgen Ingman sang the song Dance Vies, which means dance ballad. Uh, when Norway announced its votes, the presenter could not hear the spokesperson and said that she would call them again later. Viewers around Europe did hear the Norwegian spokesperson, and when they called them again, the votes had been changed. Bum, bum, bum. So it, um, yeah, it changed the winner because the the host had to ring them back. So uh, why Norway had to announce its votes again was that Norwegian spokesperson didn't follow the right procedure the first time. So there was doubt whether he gave the correct votes or not on the first occasion. But uh, as I said, in the year 2000, Denmark won the contest when Jorgen and Niels Olsen um, defied all odds to win with Fly on the Wings of Love. And the song went on to enjoy huge success across Europe. And the most recent win was um, in 2013, when uh, 
a song called Only Teardrops. So I'm just looking for um, uh, the, the meanings of songs. Uh, Amelia de Forest represented the country with Only Teardrops. So would you like to hear the 2000 song, um, which was technically their first official win, Fly on the Wings of Love, or would you like to hear Amelia DeForest with Only Teardrops? And that will be our sweetest tune this week. You can pick one of two. 2000 or 2013? Uh, 2000. The year 2000. The first one. So Fly on the Wings of Love. So um, this one again was against all odds. They, uh, they won with this particular tune. Um... So it was Jorgen and Niels Olsen. They were quite old compared to the rest of the competitors. They were the only male duo uh, at the time. And uh, so this is them performing live as part of Eurovision. And the song that took out the competition that year, Fly on the Wings of Love. Olsen Brothers there with Fly on the Wings of Love from the Eurovision Song Contest, known for its uh, crazy costumes, crazier costume changes, pyrotechnics, wind machines, and all sorts of good stuff. <laughs> what do you think of that one? Yeah, good. Not too bad? Uh, we have fast run out of time here. We're going to take a very quick break. We'll be back to share a recipe with you, so don't go anywhere. <laughs> afternoon delight for us to share a recipe with you now the recipe page that we've shared on the afternoon delight facebook page has heaps of different styles of danish pastry so there's cinnamon rolls fruit and stuff like that we're just going to do the very basic (laughs) uh fruit danish for you so max what do we need one um Envelope of yeast, T- two and one quarter te- teaspoons of active dry yeast, one teaspoon of sugar, half a cup of lukewarm water, four cups all-purpose flour. One third of a cup of sugar, half a teaspoon of salt, three quarters of a cup of butter, three eggs, and half a cup of whipped cream. Dissolve sugar into the warm water and sprinkle the yeast over the water and let it stand for 15 minutes. In the food processor, mix together the flour, sugar and salt. Pulse in the cold butter cubes. Do not over incorporate the butter into the flour mixture. There should be 
should still be pea-sized chunks of butter in the mix. The same as if you were making good pastry. Remove the mixture from the food processor and transfer to a large mixing bowl. Whisk together the eggs and whipped cream. Stir in the yeast mixture and pour over the, pour over the flour mixture and toss together with a wooden spoon, just enough to make a dough form. It is not necessary to knead the do this dough. Divide into portions. Each portion makes about 8 to 10 pastries. So if you don't need to knead, you don't need it right away. It's hard to say you don't need to knead. <laughs> Double wrap one portion in plastic wrap and freeze it for later. This dough needs to needs to be rested in the fridge for several hours or overnight. After forming into the desired shapes, the pastry should be left to rise for at least a half hour in the warm kitchen. All danishes should be brushed with egg wash made from whisking together one egg with two tablespoons of water before baking on parchment lined baking sheets at 375 degrees Fahrenheit for 15 to 20 minutes or until golden brown. Timing depends upon size. Larger pastries may take 25 minutes. Excellent. So that's the, the basic pastry recipe and if you wanted to specifically make a fruit based one like the ones that we tried today. Roll the dough out into a um, 12 by 18 rectangle. Cut into strips on the long side of the rectangle about just over a half inch wide. Twirl in twirl two of the strips together and form into a spiral circle on the parchment lined cookie sheet. Let rise then dollop a tablespoon or so of fruit or berry jam into the centre before baking. You can brush these with warm apricot jam when they come out of the oven as well. Excellent. So that's one of several different versions um, that we can make. There's also cinnamon roll, Danish pinwheels, turnovers, crescent danishes and the like. If you head to the Afternoon Delight Facebook page, all those details are there. Yeah. We've got just enough time to sneak in and find out what's new on the shelf before we uh, open up our Kinder Surprise. What's new, Pussycat? Okie dokie. Now these are oh, not really new anymore. <laughs> these came out just before Halloween. 
and were a good trick-or-treat size bag sort of things but uh, we've been holding on to them for a little bit to share them with you so they are rotten zombie skittles mm-hmm. so normally skittles when they come out with flavors uh, they're pretty good at replicating the desired flavor I know when they had their um, uh, what were they calling them not sideshow circus amusement something around the fairy floss tasted like fairy floss the butter popcorn tasted like butter popcorn so we could be in for a little bit of trouble here max the flavors that are in your hand at the moment are grim green apple spooky strawberry lurking lemon ghostly grape and rotten zombie (laughs) so I'll let you try and decipher which is which. Have you got... What colours have you got there? I've got um, red, yellow, purple, green, and orange. And the only... Okay. An orange. Okay. There's only one orange. Mm. That apparently is the rotten zombie flavour. <laughs> so you can probably guess from the colours which the other ones are. Mm-hmm. So, Grim Green Apple. Do you want to knock that down and see if it does indeed taste like green apple? Yep. Yep. (laughs) Uh, What are you predicting for the next one? Um, I don't know. (laughs) So, Red Spooky Strawberry. Yep. See if it does indeed taste like strawberry. I should be asking you, when do you want to do the Rotten Zombie? Do you (laughs) want to keep it to last, or do you want to... Try and knock it out of the way so you've got other flavours. I'll do that one next. Next, okay. So did uh, the spooky strawberry indeed taste like strawberry? Yep. Okay. (laughs) What the heck does rotten zombie taste like? It's the orange one. (laughs) (laughs) He's looking a little bit apprehensive as he pops it in. No. No. <laughs> what does it taste like? Because it doesn't give any clues on the packaging. Bad. Bad? Just bad. Mm. Is it like the skunk flavoured jelly bean for the... Mm. Possibly. <laughs> Just bad flavour. <laughs> Nothing... It doesn't taste like anything particular. Mm-mm. Okay, well, you <laughs> try... You've still got lurking lemon and ghostly grape to get that taste... Working lemon. Lemon, yeah. Lemon, if it's good lemon, should knock that straight out of your mouth. Is it sweet, sour? Sweet. Sweet, okay, interesting. Mm-hmm. And finally, ghostly grape, then. <laughs> that grape flavour, yep. <laughs> Okie dokie. Well, we're almost out of time. We better quickly open up that Kinder Surprise. Kinder, Dear me. So do I bother asking whether it was a thumbs up or thumbs down for the Skittles, Max, as you were uh, eating that rotten zombie one? Uh, 
thumbs up, but for the rotten zombie, no. No, no, no good. <laughs> Thank goodness it was just a Halloween uh, special. Yeah. I think you can still get them in some shops. Righto, he's popped open the Kinder Surprise. What is on the inside? The frogs. Frogs? Uh-huh. Okay, and are they already pre-made or di- uh-huh. different pieces? Okay, so the frogs are pre-made, then you put together there. I still don't know what that... So, for the every time we get one of these, it comes with a little, I don't know, vine? Yeah. Or jungle setting that you piece together like a... kind of a play stand sort of thing, and the frogs are just going to sit on top of that? Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> That's what all the other uh, little creatures do. Are these, uh, what were they called, zoomers? No. The, um... Catoons? Catoons. Catoons. So we've got a gr- uh, yellow frog and an orange frog this week. Mm-hmm. Well, that is it for our Danish pastry edition of Afternoon Delight. Thanks again for tuning in. And as always, if you want to get involved with the show in any way, whether it's uh, sending in suggestions or feedback and stuff, you can email lolly at ocrfm.org.au or jump on the Afternoon Delight Facebook page. We'll be back next week to do it all again, so see you then. Bye. See ya. It's right while waiting till the middle of a cold, dark night When everything's a little clear in the light of day It's always gonna be there anyway Thinking of you's working up my appetite Looking forward to a little afternoon delight Rubbing sticks and stones together makes the sparks ignite And the thought of loving you is getting so exciting Skyline rockets in flight Afternoon delight